Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, this is an independent podcast made possible by supporters just like you. Over on Patreon, we're a whip-smart community of spiritual seekers and mystics, and you're invited. You'll get instant access to monthly forecasts, horoscopes, taroscopes for each astrological season, bonus episodes, and a chance to ask a question about your personal natal chart during the monthly Q&A video. If all that sounds like your cup of tea, head over to patreon.com badastro and join us. Another quick, easy way to show your support is to leave a positive review on iTunes so that the mysterious algorithm can show this podcast to more magically-minded people. And follow Bad Astrologers on Twitter and Instagram, at Bad Astrologers, to get notified when new episodes and perks are available. Finally, if you love the show, tell someone you think might like it. I love getting recommendations for great music, movies, and podcasts, so you might just make their day. Now, on to the episode. Meg Jones-Wall knows about the tarot. A Scorpio through and through, she's not content with standard white book definitions of what the cards mean. In her excellent, insightful, comforting taroscope column at Autostraddle, she delves deep into the meaning of the cards far wider than what traditional interpretations have to offer, which is exactly why I love them so much. In this conversation, she brings that same depth to our discussion of where tarot and astrology merge and diverge. It covers a lot of ground, from spirituality outside the church to an invitation to Feng Shui, my new place. So sit back, release the tension from your shoulders, take a deep breath, and let's start the show. Hi, Meg. Thank you so much for joining me on Bad Astrologers today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know some people might be wondering on this podcast about astrology, why we would want to talk about tarot cards, which are ostensibly something very different, but I will agree to disagree. I think that they share so many similarities and connections, and that was kind of how we found one another a little bit. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole, I want to ask you the traditional first bad astrologers question, which is what's your earliest memory of being drawn to spirituality, whether that's astrology or tarot or something else? Uh, I love this question. It's a great one. Um, mine is a little bit strange, I suppose. Um, so I was raised, anybody that has been following me and read any of my essays or followed my tarot work probably already knows this, but um, mm -hmm. I was raised in a really conservative, evangelical, fundamentalist home. So um, for me, spirituality was always tied to um, a really specific religious institution. And so mm -hmm. it wasn't until I was, I was in my Saturn return, I think I was 29 or 30, um, when I kind of started to embrace a different kind of spirituality and and gonna give myself permission to think beyond religion. I think they'd always been so tangled up in one another that it, it took me a really long time to kind of uh, let myself leave that really structured um, expression of spirituality and kind of embrace something that felt more personal and felt more intuitive. So um, hmm. I, I think I probably knew what my sun sign was in, in high school and college, right. but um, I'm a Scorpio sun. And so, you know, when you're a, when you're a conservative church kid and you read descriptions of Scorpio, all about power and sex and death and intensity, um, you know, everything in me had been trained that those were bad, scary things that you have to stay away from. So um, right. it took me a long time to kind of, to shake that off a little bit and, um, and find that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I bought my first tarot deck in 2016. So um, I, I, for in terms of a first memory, it's, it's probably not super clear for me because I think it, it right. took me a long time to come out as queer and, and start to be open to things that weren't just 
church Sundays and um, missions trips and Bible study groups. But um, <laughs> yes, I'm right yeah, there with you on both of those things. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very long and winding and complicated road to navigate. So um, it definitely took me a while. <laughs> if I'm a late bloomer, <laughs> that's uh, that's where it is. It took me a long time. So <laughs> I think it happens to a lot of us. I'm curious, yeah. is there any sort of like specific turning point, either like within your own point of view or an event that happened or something that you read that sort of opened up that door for you to sort of um, unlink spirituality from being just bound to the church towards being something that was more personal within yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think I've always been, and I mean, I'm not alone in this either. Queer kids, <laughs> um, I think we we tend to kind of use stories as a way to escape and kind of inhabit other worlds and other experiences um, and other mm. other outlooks, other perspectives. And so, I've always been a, a huge reader and someone that loves you know film and television and musicals. I was a theater kid, so. Um, I think uh, I think for me, I've always been interested in books that connected to magic and witchcraft and um, things that were outside of my my lived experience. And so I I definitely remember reading uh, the Night Circus and the Book of Speculation and some of those books where tarot features pretty prominently um, and being like, huh, <laughs> this right. is interesting. I this is interesting. This is intriguing. And I started dreaming about tarot after reading those books. Um, and that's, and that's kind of what prompted me that Scorpio obsession kicked in and I started researching and <laughs> kind of going kind of <laughs> really intense about it until I finally was like, fuck it, I'm going to go. And I went to the strand and bought my first deck with no idea what I was doing. So <laughs> which deck was it? Was it a Rider Waite deck or something else? Well, I mean, it was the wild unknown. So it's, it's, you know, that's that structure, but it's <gasps> very modern and separate from Rider Waite Smith. I, uh, I'm a little weird. I never really, I've never really loved the traditional Rider Waite Smith. I never really saw myself in it, um, mm -hmm. and so it took. I think that was part of my hesitation and my desire to research. Is that I was like, I kept reading things that were like, you have to start with this deck, and I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I <laughs> and love I called that rebellion. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling, you know, but that those evangelical roots kicked in as like, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. And um, yeah, I think it, it really helped me back for a few months before I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> that is so fascinating. Yeah. And I think you were definitely not the only one who came to Cheryl with some suspicion of the Rider Waite Smith deck. As beautiful yeah. as it is, it's not the most inclusive. And it definitely has, you know, this is the defined tableau, like, this is what we're learning and it's going to be, you know, very cisgendered, very right. heterosexual. And yeah, there's a lot very to white, be unpacked with white. it. Very white. <laughs> yes. All white yeah, it's really specific. I think I've learned <laughs> to appreciate it more, you know, as I've, as I've researched and as I've started, you know, working now, I feel like I have so many decks and books and my house is a mess of tarot shit. Um, <laughs> but um but yeah, I think I think I've learned to kind of appreciate the symbolism and and um, you know Paul Coleman Smith's contribution to tarot and the way we see it yeah. and understand it, and um, that's obviously become a lot more important to me as I've as I've learned more about tarot and its history and symbolism and everything. But um, yeah, I'm kind of glad that I didn't start with it because I think I think it would have really turned me off to the practice. I think I would have struggled. So. I think that makes perfect sense. Um, I recently and totally unexpectedly have started taking some courses with 22 teachings out in LA. Um, oh, amazing. Gabriella Herstic has worked with them. So is Teresa Reed, who's one of my mentors. Um, and I just want I know she's so wonderful, right? Um, I just wanted to deepen my knowledge of the tarot and Gabby kept telling me, you know, there's this amazing place and they do this uh, meeting every Saturday um, that includes a bunch of rituals and they use the tarot cards as keys to really dig into that symbolism and understand. And it has been, I feel like I didn't understand the tarot until now. And that's as someone who's been reading tarot for ages, right? There are other entry points, but I, kind of, I feel like, you know, there was so sometimes I feel like those factors of whether it's race or gender or whatever other visual elements of the cards can be limiting right? Or yeah, the things absolutely. that we 
associate with those symbols. But when you really unpack what the sort of golden dawn meanings are, it gives you a lot more. But I love that decks like the Wild Unknown or um, others similarly. I use the Wildwood Tarot sometimes. Wow. Um, can give you another like entry point too. Mm, that's so good. So I'm curious, I found you through the wonderful taroscopes at Autostraddle. I've been reading them religiously for ages because I just think they're so, they're kind and they're down to earth. And in addition to being incredibly accurate, which I'm sure is the Scorpio um, acting <laughs> yeah. up for sure. Um, but how did that column come about? Uh, the origin that's story. A great question. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so like I said, I've only been reading uh, since 2016. And so um, it was very, it started as a very private practice for me. I Scorpio right. again, not to belabor it. I'm a Scorpio. I'm really into being a Scorpio. Um, but uh, it had been, it had been kind of a private practice for me. Um, and I was slowly sort of opening it up with my Instagram and, and starting to share mm -hmm. more and more. Um, and I went to a camp at Autostraddle um, and was lucky enough to meet the incredible Heather Hogan. She was my my camp counselor Aww. and one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world. Um, and she, after camp, we had met up um, at a podcast recording um, and she just kind of said to me off the cuff, you know, would you ever consider writing about tarot for Autostraddle? Um, and I was so flattered. I, I, I have a background in food photography and writing, so, but I'd never written about really anything else besides food in uh, restaurants and hotels. That was kind of my writing jam. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, I started thinking about that and looking at what Autostraddle had already done. You know, Beth Maiden had a column there for a couple of years um, that has taught me so much. I've learned so much from Beth over the years and her column at She's Autostraddle. She's so good. Absolutely. So good. I learned, she was one of the very first people I found when I was reading tarot and I still turn to her whenever I have a question or I'm struggling with a card or anything. She is just, she's built such an incredible resource with little red tarot. Um, mm -hmm. But so I went kind of read through everything that she had put together that I hadn't already seen and tried to consider what, what auto straddle didn't have. You know, I didn't want to rewrite pieces that Beth had already written so beautifully. I didn't see much, much purpose in that. Um, so, but I, you know, Autostraddle had a horoscopes section. So um, I, I kind of did some research and had been reading Terroscopes sort of casually at different sites for a little while um, and finally decided that that might be a good thing to pitch, that it might kind of fill that particular intersection. You know, queers love tarot and- Yes, <laughs> um, and so we do. <laughs> we sure do. Um, and so that seemed like uh, something that I might be able to do. Um, and so I pitched it and they were excited about it and it launched uh, January, God, what the fuck year is it? It launched uh, January, 2019. <laughs> so it's been about a year and a half. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's been eons. Like it's so yeah. strange for me. <laughs> like I feel like it's always been there. That's so unusual, but <laughs> it's great. I, right? <laughs> yeah. no, I wanted it to kind of feel like it fit right in with the culture and um, you know, it's a little bit more niche than horoscopes. I think it's always going to be a little bit more niche than a horoscope um, just because horoscopes are so built into kind of the fabric of how we think about ourselves, I think, especially when it comes to our sun signs. But, um, sure. but yeah, it's been a really cool journey. It's been a really, I've been really um, just privileged and humbled to be able to do it. I think it's been a really great opportunity for me. So yeah. We're lucky to have them. So I'm intrigued about the concept of, of taroscopes and I, I'm, specifically interested in, you know, I've seen some more like traditional astrologers, I wouldn't say hate on them, but be a bit skeptical <laughs> of the concept of the taroscope because it doesn't take the whole chart into uh, account. But I just, my experience with taroscopes, yours in particular, and some others has been extremely accurate. It's given mm -hmm. me a lot um, emotionally and spiritually. So there's obviously something going on with them. So mm -hmm. when you're writing them, like, what what do you think about the practice of making taroscopes or how do you conceptualize that? What are you doing when you make one? Uh, that's such a good question. Um, so for me, it's really important to have it be anchored in in where we are. So and I, you know, I'm not mm. I'm not a trained astrologer. My my understanding of astrology has been very much through the lens of tarot, um, slowly learning from 
you know, astrologers like you and from Mecca Woods and Teresa Reed and my friend, our friend Gina Cadlick and um, yeah. Chenny Nicholas and you know, all these, all these brilliant astrologers that are, are so generous with their time and resources. Um, but for me, I, I write the first section um, to start. So I think about the season that we're in. I, I try to take some idea of the transits into account, but I, I like I said, because I'm not a trained astrologer, I try to not get too hung up on that because it might just mm-hmm. scramble my brain a little bit too much. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I try to focus on on the season as well as just you know what's happening. Obviously, twenty twenty. I don't even know how we're ever going to talk about this year in the future. Um, oh but, my goodness! <laughs> but it's impossible not to be aware of everything that's happening, or at least you know the fragments that we're able to kind of internalize and process on any given day. Um, but I think about the transition between. Um, seasons. I think about the card that's the archetype for that season. Um, mm. And I try to kind of write an exploration about what it's like to sit within that energy. Um, and so I do that first. And then I light a candle and I make myself a cup of tea because that's what I always do when I'm about to read cards. Um, and then I, I lay out the 12 cards with their, um, I have this Compendium of Constellations by Claire Goodchild um, that I use with as oh, I photographs. love those. Yes. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. She's actually doing a second version um, now that's a little bit different. But um, but yeah, I love those. And so um, I, I take a few minutes and I try to make space for myself to um, hold the energy of the sign. And I don't think about it like the sun sign. I think about it like anyone that has this placement that's going to be working with it. What mm-hmm. kind of advice or insights or truths might that placement need to hold. So, um, cause I always encourage people to read for their sun, moon rising, and then whatever planet is connected is ruled by, you know, the sign and season that we're in. Um, so I'm sure there are people that just read for their sun sign. And I'm sure there are people like you that, you know, read for multiple placements and, um, are able to take a more holistic view of it because you have that kind of background in, um, in how these different aspects and planets and, and signs and houses and everything are all working together. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad to hear that it, it does feel really holistic because that's that's what I'm going for, even if I'm not, you know, super fluent in the language of astrology. <laughs> <laughs> it really works. And I think that is what makes the connection between astrology and tarot so special is like, I find mm-hmm. that one, um, whichever one you find first is usually the road for you to really understand and discover the other. Um, and I've befriended and started working with so many people who they, they found tarot first and they have helped me understand that more deeply. Um, I know you and I connected online in part because we're both Scorpio bisexuals. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> we have to find each other somehow. So. Yes. <laughs> we validate each other's existence. Um, really? But also because we were interested in those correspondences. So story time for the people who might not know. I did a PDF like some long years ago. I don't even, it could have been 2014, 2015, maybe called stars and cards. Um, that was just all about the astrological meanings besides the tarot cards. And I put that out and I kind of forgot about it. And then one day (laughs) I logged into Instagram and I was tagged in this thing called stars and cards. I was like, Oh, well, that's interesting. And then I read it and I figured out it was you. And I love like the way that you were focusing on it more from the tarot side. I was just like, this is so, so first of all, it was so nice that people remembered it or that it helped. Right. Because I, I love it. Really? <laughs> um, I have it open. It's on my desktop. Like I use oh it all God, the time. You do not. I'll put I it do, on I the Patreon. Right Patreon only content. <laughs> Or email it to your friends. I don't care. <laughs> but I'm curious, no, like, what made you decide to start exploring those astrological pathways within the tarot? Like, were you studying astrology more on your own and using that as a guide? Or was it something different? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I, I knew mm-hmm. that I knew that there were a lot of intersections between tarot and astrology. And I also knew that um, I would probably have an easier time learning astrology if it was kind of written in the language of tarot or 
um, with an idea of that intersection in mind, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, astrology to my to my very intuitive, creative, <laughs> right sided brain, <laughs> um, astrology is is really overwhelming. It's it feels like a lot of math. It feels like a lot of details, um, and I. Mm sometimes feel like it just really clicks into place for me and other times just feel hopelessly lost in it. Um, And so for me, knowing that I felt a lot more grounded in this kind of intuitive um, language of tarot that had become so familiar to me, I really wanted to find someone talking through the correspondences in a way that wasn't just like the golden dawn is great. And that's really useful, I think. But I was like, surely someone out there is taking a more modern approach to it in a, in a language that's going to feel um, familiar to me. Um, and so when I, when I found this doc, I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a queer Scorpio out there that's written this exact thing that I'm looking for. Like this truly could not be more perfect. Um, and when I started reading through it, I was like, this is exactly, it was so exactly what I wanted that I kind of couldn't believe it. Um, and so it, it, yeah, it it taught me so much and I, I really appreciated that it's written in such a sensible and clear way and it's not, um, over the top. It's not like so detailed that I get lost in it, but it's also really, Mm -hmm. um, decisive it's it's clear you know it's just it's it's written in plain english in a way that someone like me that's still very much an astrology beginner um i felt like i could immediately understand it and understand why the cards were connected to the different elements and planets and houses so it just it just made so much sense to me um (laughs) yeah that's so wonderful to hear i'm so i'm so glad i think that's something that is so important to me and like especially what you were talking about like certainly there must be someone who is doing some work on this between like yeah. Finda, Siecla, Great Britain and like yeah, now somewhere in the world the east coast you know like there has to be something there and because I have like a genuine like love of the maybe it's like the Sagittarius rising part of me like I love the deep dives like the historical stuff the old dusty tomes and wisdom teachings like i'll do the digging in that for you and bring <laughs> bring the usable stuff out and then make that available that's that's my that's- gemini rising loves that so. <laughs> <laughs> i think i love that you have gemini rising i was thinking about that in relation to your work not you know as a writer of course because i feel like um gemini's of all kinds especially the luminaries in the rising sign have this like facility with language um mm. but gemini's also have this ability to think in symbols right like mm. you're always recognizing patterns between symbols and i think that's why so many gemini type people turn out to be these really skilled tarot readers like think about Teresa reed who's a, a gemini yeah. who just had her birthday <laughs> last week <laughs> right yeah. um and then you put it in language that's so much fun it just it makes sense to me but um yeah. if anyone also is listening and you're thinking like how do i start where do i even begin or i'm a tarot reader and i find astrology intimidating like mm-hmm. i've been doing this a long time and i still sometimes find tarot intimidating um, you know, everybody, the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the coolest thing about seeing this stuff blow up is kind of that everybody has their place, right? Like not everyone is going to be the best astrologer, the best tarot reader, the best witch. Like we all have the languages that we speak and it can be useful to become, you know, multilingual in the languages of the occult that's a very gemini move right (laughs) but but it works no i think yeah i think that's really real and i think that's really important you know like um gina my friend gina cadlick i know you know her too um we talk about this all the time we're both from an evangelical background and so it really informs the way that now we think about witchcraft and astrology and tarot you know we're seeing it Um, not only through like a more kind of general spiritual lens, but also through a really personal, almost faith-based lens and um, prayers Mm. and mantras and meditations and confession and sacraments, all those things can overlap in a lot of ways. Um, And it's just a different language that we can speak that, you know, some people will find that language familiar and some people won't. But um, I think, I think knowing which languages you speak and, um, and kind of what lens you're viewing this stuff through can help you find people that are going to speak that same language. And um, it it makes it easier to learn when you find somebody that 
speaks that speaks your language not to belabor the point but yeah <laughs> no that's absolutely right um and i think i i'm so glad that you i know that you've written about it before willing to share that about coming from a faith base and like very conservative mm -hmm. and fundamentalist background because i think you know strangely enough a lot of us do and for me yeah. one thing that i found really difficult was um that the word prayer became kind of a bad word right like oh well that's only yeah. something that christians do um and i think that tarot can be a way to come to terms with um connection to the divine prayer meditation like whatever you want to call it whatever you feel comfortable with um absolutely absolutely which is why i'm really curious about like your personal tarot practice is it something that you do like on a daily basis if you're like, okay, I'm trying to decide between, I don't know, like pitching two different places, let me do a tarot, or is it more of a, a spiritual meditative act? How does it look for you? Oh, um, probably more the latter. I don't, I don't actually use tarot that often for decision making, um, which yeah. might seem strange because I think a lot of people do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, for me, it's much more a check in with myself. I do it Kind of first mm. thing in the morning. I started doing morning pages, um, but it's it's one of the first things <gasps> I, I do. I love the artist way. Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful, <laughs> and I, I feel like my it's just turning into a journal, which is annoying and is not what I want morning pages to be. But um, but I really love the concept of just waking up and immediately starting to write and kind of emptying your mind a little bit, um, kind of getting yourself mm -hmm. ready for for creative work. I think it's been a really useful thing for me. Um, but yeah, for me, um, drawing a card first thing in the morning and just kind of taking the time to sort of check in on how I'm feeling, you know, emotionally and physically and spiritually and um, thinking about what I've got in my day ahead and what kind of energy I want to bring to that and um, letting the cards sort of give me some new insights into um, what I might be wrestling with or, or dealing with or working through um, has just become a, a really important part of my it does feel spiritual, but it also just feels really meditative and really calming to me. Um, mm. Even if the card I pull is difficult or, or forces me to kind of face some difficult things or truths, um, it's still become really powerful and, and empowering for me, I think, to kind of take that time for myself and, um, and start my day with space. Um, yeah. That's perfect. You totally preempted the next question I was going to ask, which is <laughs> what if that. you wake up in the morning and you do your morning tarot card and you get like the seven of swords. I don't know why I have such a beef with the seven of swords, but I really do. So many people do. I, I actually, I was on a podcast with Teresa Reed. We were talking about scary cards and, and she was like, let's talk about the seven of swords because I hate that card. So, <laughs> I think it's one like, people struggle for sure. I used to do morning <laughs> cards and then one day I didn't stop like immediately after this, but it's sort of like went it coincided a little bit. So I, mm -hmm. my morning card was the seven of swords and I thought, <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. I've never gotten that before. And I went into the office and the office had been broken into in the night. Oh shit. Which is very seven of swords. <laughs> but um, yeah, even a skilled occultist can get totally freaked out by a card and be like, I'm not doing morning cards anymore. It's not for me. <laughs> I'm abandoning this entire practice because of this one card. <laughs> it's, it's totally real. weird. <laughs> I don't know why this is. Do you have like a least favorite tarot card or one that like super freaks you out? Oh, um, well, I've been uh, one of my cards of the year. Actually, both of my cards of the year are difficult ones for me. Um, I, I have my two cards that I'm working with are the Ten of Swords and the Sun. Um, and I'm actually Ooh. more comfortable with the Ten of Swords than I am with the Sun. I don't really love the Sun as a card, so uh, which I think is sort of weird, I guess. But um, Tell yeah, me more me about that. <laughs> I'm so curious. Well, <laughs> I was writing, I was trying to think about what we might talk about. And I was kind of just doing a free write about, you know, my ideas about tarot and astrology, because I knew we'd be sort of covering these topics. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about my moon in Leo and the sun and trying to figure out if I was uncomfortable with the sun because I'm uncomfortable with my moon in Leo or <laughs> where that intersection oh, is. Um, it could be. Definitely yeah. could be. I think it definitely could be. I think I think I really like shadow work, and I really like um, mystery, and I really like the unknown. I think I find a lot of comfort in not knowing sometimes, and in um, in having there be things that are still explorable. Um, and mm -hmm. so, 
sun, the sun for me both just like, it's just time to celebrate. I, my, my brain, my brain doesn't do that. It's like, no, it can't pass that. We're not done. This can't be <laughs> You <have to> be <laughs> airy and breezy. I don't do that. That's not a thing. Um, but also this idea of like there being no shadows, you know, everything's exposed right. and everything's um, bathed in this brilliant kind of relentless sort of light. I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> Like, give me a shadow to hide and I don't want this. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So first of all, as far as the moon and Leo, I know it's not technically a, I'm doing air quotes, a good placement, but every moon and Leo person I've ever met, I adored them. There's just like this instant like vibrance and like, it's always fun. It's always a party. Even if they're having the most horrible day, they'll find a way to like turn it into a performance or a joke or something. It's kind of like a comedian placement. It's terrific. So no hate towards that. But I did notice that we share um, both having sun and Scorpio with Pluto conjunct. Um, and I feel like that really enhances the desire, the scorpionic desire to stay in the darkness or um, (laughs) avoid the light, right? There's this like fear of exposure. I definitely have it. I don't know if you experience that too, but. 100%, yes. (laughs) (laughs) On on the flip side, oh, I have to ask before we move on, Mm -hmm. the ten of swords and the sun mm-hmm. did you pick the ten mm-hmm. of swords because it's associated with Ge- gemini which is your rising sign or was it like a random it was random yeah i did two okay. i did a I, I did a like um choose a card theme and then choose a card for each month um i wrote about it on auto straddle i like shared that spread for like the oh, year ahead and okay um, right. But then I also, yeah, and then I also, I don't know if you follow Carrie Mallon. Um, she's one of the creators of the Spacious Tarot, beautiful tarot no. writer. Um, she's amazing. I highly recommend her. But um, she also has a New Year's spread that she usually does in readings for clients. And I've bought one for her ever since I've been reading. Um, but because she was publishing this new deck, which, again, is super beautiful, highly recommend the Spacious Tarot, Um it, uh, she wasn't doing readings. So I, I had her thread, of course, because she'd been using it for me for years. And so I did it myself. And so in one card, my theme card for the year was the Ten of Swords. And in my other reading, my theme card for the year was the Sun. So I decided to work with both. Oh, perfect. So, um, yeah, so it's it, it, they both were very much random. But the fact that, you know, one's associated with Gemini and one's associated with Leo. I was like, all right, all right, I get it. I got it. <laughs> This is why the astrology (laughs) connections are so important. They will totally jump out at you. Mm, Absolutely. That's so good. (laughs) So on the flip side, I know you said that you are like averse to the sun card, which is so funny. I know everyone usually like celebrates when that comes up, but it does involve like putting yourself forward. Do you have a favorite major arcana card that you're like, you get it in a reading, you're like, yes, this is the best. <laughs> I mean, my birth card is the high priestess, and I love the high priestess. Um, I'm yeah, so my, my <laughs> what's yours? <laughs> um, it's the wheel of fortune. Oh, fascinating! That's Which a tricky card. Stand to the magician. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The magician's great. I love the magician. I think the, the wheel of fortune very much depends on what other cards you're reading it with. At least for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I love the high priestess. I feel really empowered by the high priestess. I like I like the idea of stillness. I like the idea of listening. Um, intuition has been a really hard thing for me over the years. I think, you know, again mm. with the evangelicalism, <laughs> I think you know yes. when you're raised in a in a church like that, you're really kind of taught to ignore your intuition. You're taught that your intuition is is sinful. Is it's you know it's it's the voice of the devil. It's it's temptation. It's you know the things you want must not be good because you want them. Um, and so right. tarot has been really instrumental in learning to trust my intuition. And so um, having the high priestess as my birth card feels really significant for me. Um, it feels very much like permission and even encouragement to sit in stillness and to listen to that little voice and those gut instincts and uh, to really hold space for them and let them guide me and, and impact me. So um, whenever the high priestess shows up, I, I just feel this deep sense of calm and relief <laughs> um, oh. that I can sit quietly and trust myself. And I, I love that so much. 
I absolutely love that you sort of put um, the the stillness and intuition of the high priestess together with desire, like desire mm-hmm. is a form of intuition. Um, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I feel like even I have more unpacking to do around um, desire and intuition, maybe being one and the same. The church, <laughs> well, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> I know. It's a lifetime of unpacking that shit for me. <laughs> I, I don't think we're Seriously. alone in that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that the high priestess is really connected to choice. You know, twos in tarot are so often about choice and um, choosing a path forward, mm-hmm. choosing between multiple options. And so um, I think for me, the high priestess has really come to symbolize looking at your options and, and trusting your gut on if you're moving forward, if you're staying still, which way to go. Um, there might be a different way that you haven't considered. You know, it's, it's really taking the space to honor whatever is is dwelling within you and is and is trying to push you in a particular direction um and that's yeah it's just had so much meaning for me over the years so oh it sounds like you've done so much unpacking that's kind that's kind of where i'm at in my spiritual practice right now is really being deep with the archetypes of the major arcana and they just keep unfolding it's amazing also anyone who's Anyone who's listening um, that wants to know what their birth tarot card is, you may have heard us refer to that. Um, there's a book called Who You Are in the Tarot by uh, Mary Greer. It's really good. Um, but okay. all you really have to do to figure it out is add up the digits of your birthday. Um, so for me, it would be like 1028. I'm not going to tell you the last one so you can't like <laughs> find me or something. <laughs> wow, big Scorpio move, but you get the basic big idea. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you reduce it down until you get a number that's low enough to like, I don't know, like get blackjack or something, you know, like lower than 21. Um, (laughs) but it's really fun and it is really revealing. It does, uh, tell you something about, uh, your life and where you might be headed or what lessons you are meant to learn. Yeah. Looking at it in the comments or something. Um, yeah, I think uh, looking at looking at a birth card, especially in conjunction with um, the archetypes that align with your sun sign or, or your big three or whatever, I think um, I think that's also really illuminating in terms of like um, uh, unpacking your personality or the things that are important to you. You know, when I sit and look at the high priestess and death, <laughs> I'm like, all right, sure. Wow, cool. right. yeah. that's so true i think too also if you want to get really specific with your chart you can now not every single astrological placement has a tarot equivalent but some do um that was kind of how i learned to love and appreciate my venus in virgo is the nine of coins which is my (laughs) absolute favorite tarot card in the world and i think it shows the sort of like self-possession that comes with having Venus in Virgo um, as opposed to in like sophistication as opposed to just like I don't know being a fuddy-duddy who doesn't know how to have any fun yeah (laughs) whatever the story is like yeah I think Virgo gets a bad rap but I love Virgo energy (laughs) same I love that your chart signature is we share this we both have chart signatures that are all signs that people love to hate on in memes I was, um, <laughs> I was like, you're going to my chart to shreds or you're going to have really lovely things to say. Because, yeah, my my big three are Scorpio, <laughs> Scorpio, Leo, and Gemini. And I have a Mars and Venus in Libra. Like, people just drag me to hell and back when they see my chart. So <laughs> I love it. I loved it as soon as I saw it. I was like, oh, this is great. As far as the, <laughs> the Scorpio-Gemini uh, connection, like, how do you see that come through in your life? So I feel like Scorpio and Gemini have opposing wishes, sort of, <laughs> but not really. Yeah. Like Scorpio wants to um, hide or consolidate or, you know, investigate in secret, whereas Gemini is very loquacious and wants to go out into the world and talk to literally everyone. Um, <laughs> how do you balance that? Uh, by writing, basically. I think um, uh. I think for me, writing, you know, that control that we Scorpios love so much, I think that for me, writing really gives me a way to control the narrative, control the story, control the information. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my tarot writing, I try to walk a really fine line between being vulnerable in a way that feels important and necessary and also being private and protecting myself from sharing too many details. Um, and I blame my Leo moon for that, but, um, but I think (laughs) 
I think um, I think my Gemini rising helps me have the skills in that way to sort of balance both of those opposing needs. Um, and even though I'm I'm fairly young still in my tarot practice, you know, I'm just coming up on four years of working with the cards. Um, I think that. Gemini has such a has such a curious energy, you know, and it has such this like lovely desire to gather and share information. Um, and I mm-hmm. think I've always kind of kind of been that way, you know. My my writing, even before I started writing studies, um, I've always included a lot of questions and you know, asking people to interact with me and like wanting to hear other people's takes and and never being satisfied with what I know. You know, I'm always looking for more, um, which that feels very consistent with Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> to me yes. that like I, well, there's got to be more what else can I uncover like what else can I find um and so um yeah for for me they do seem really opposite like all three all of my big three just seem wildly different but um when I think about what houses they fall in and kind of how they interact I think I think within me they manifest very much in a way that okay if I if I write I can control this you know doing this podcast mm-hmm. for me feels way more vulnerable than writing because <laughs> writing I can oh. pick everything, like really specifically whereas I'm sweating bullets right now I'm so nervous <laughs> <laughs> don't be no, nervous <laughs> for me talking is not a comfort zone it's <laughs> it's oh. very much writing for me so um yeah. <laughs> See, that was kind of how I figured out my Gemini moon was like, oh, okay, yeah. I get obsessed and I want to ask everyone everything. And <laughs> turns out if you just do that in a regular conversation, people are like, why is this girl asking me so many questions? But no, if I you have that. a podcast, people are like, oh, this is great. I'll listen to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes a really good podcast host because you have so many good questions and they're really insightful and thoughtful and invite great conversation. So I think it's a great skill. <laughs> well, thank you. But this is about you. And, and I want to take a couple minutes to look at your chart. Sure. Um, because I found some really fun things in there that I want to share with everybody. First of all, so I know you mentioned at the beginning, um, you started and, and still are currently a food writer and photographer. Is that mm-hmm. right? That's right. And so I was looking in the chart just like, okay, where is this food stuff? Like, I'm not seeing it. What there has to be something that it will explain this to me, like going cross-eyed. And then I realized that as a Gemini rising, you have cancer in your second house, which mm-hmm. is you making a living from food is so oh. obvious. Oh, sure. Right? Like it seems like yeah. so um, clear. <laughs> and then you also have this beautiful Taurus North node with Lilith right there, which is like, amazing for luxury dining and being a connoisseur and having these meals that are like spiritual experiences i don't know if that's something that happens yes. to you too i definitely but am there I have, I have silverware tattooed on me i am um, i've been taking pictures of food and hotels and travel for years and years and i love it so i always blamed my libra venus but i think the i think what you're saying makes probably more sense you know what you're talking about better than i do <laughs> So let's talk about your Libra Venus for a second, though, because not only is it a Libra Venus, it's conjunct asteroids, Eros and Aphrodite. So it's like a super turned on Venus. So how do you and it's in the same sign as your Mars. So you have Mars and Libra. Yeah. So how do you how do you experience that? Like, how do you deal with that much um, (laughs) intensity and desire as a regular human being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a Scorpio son. <laughs> so True. I think it all, for me, I mean, I, I, again, I, I'm not super well versed in astrology. So to me, that all just sounds really consistent with my, my Scorpio. You know, I, I want to experience everything to its fullest. I'm a super intense personality. I, um, yeah, I want everything. I want everything to be beautiful and amazing. You know, if it's, if it's, if I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. I percent. And so um, you know, if I have someday, I will have you to my house, <laughs> and yeah. I yes. I clean the whole house, and I light candles, and I have a lighting concept, and I cook, and I make these gigantic cheese boards, and I make pasta sauce from scratch. I make pasta from scratch. Like I I go all out for people, and so I don't do that for very many people, but when I do, it's like a million percent. I want everything to be perfect. I want people to feel comforted and welcomed and loved. <laughs> um, so that's that's what I'm hearing when you're saying that. I mean, I also have a partner that's a double yeah. Sagittarius with a Cancer Moon, so um, we have a lot. 
<laughs> but, I'm married to a Cancer Moon as as well. Are you? So I feel like yes, <laughs> I so I funny. love the Cancer Moon. It's I, great. Like, it's so protective and nurturing and sweet. It but, is. Yeah, you got to dig for you know, it, but once it's there, <laughs> tell me about it. That's a thing, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. <laughs> the Libra, I feel like Virgo gets all of the points for being the perfectionistic one. But mm -hmm. when I actually talk to clients or see how these things play out in people's lives, like I feel like the Libra ideal of beauty is so high and you're always striving, um, you know, really for the heavens and that that like there's a perfectionism there too. Like you said, you have a lighting concept oh, for dinner. Like concept. that's... <laughs> It's, I don't, I'm not fucking around. If you come to my house for dinner, it's like every single detail is right. And if something goes wrong, I like feel it pers I feel like a personal failure. Like, I'm like, oh no, this has to be right. But yeah, I think it's, it's this idea of like all the senses being engaged. So I want, I want the food to be good, but I also uh, want the lighting to feel good. I want you to be comfortable physically in every way. I want, you know, I have like a playlist that I've curated. Like the whole experience is just top to bottom. Like, and if like my dog won't crawl in your lap with the weighted blanket so that you're not like fully comfortable, I'm like, oh man, that's a bummer. I wish you'd had that. <laughs> you know, like, you're totally like, it bad. wasn't perfect. It wasn't wow. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm. a, I think it's a different kind of perfectionism, but it's a very centrally oriented perfectionism. Like I want everything to feel good. It's <laughs> so, I'm so just completely fascinated. I, as a Sagittarius <laughs> rising with like the Gemini moon, I'm, I'm so home decor is so far from me. I don't understand <laughs> it. I recently moved to a new apartment at the beginning mm. of the quarantine, actually. Oh, God. And like, my husband has like decorated the rest of the place and like the one room where all of my uh you know writing stuff is is just like not unpacked it's a uh, mess yeah. but i'm like well i have my books i can write yeah. in here it's fine um <laughs> send me pictures very, all very different ways you. of being <laughs> thank <laughs> you i'm the my mom is the same way she has a completely different chart but um but we're both like the ones that people call when they move into a new space i'm like okay paint this wall but don't paint this wall like you want these kind of curtains try this color and this like this amount of light will be good in this room at this time of day for what you're doing in this room like i love space and i love figuring it all out someday i'm going to study feng shui and it's going to be great but for now it's just insane. i love I that love you said that Libra dominant people, so like someone with a luminary in Libra or Venus in Libra or a Libra rising, um, or yeah, specifically Libra, like there's this sense of what would be harmonious in any given situation. Like they can go into a room and be like, you need to put the couch over here and the chair over here and oh, have this like red accent wall. And it's like yeah. a form of magic that I just don't understand. Like I said, you have to find your own magical language for yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, my magical language is really strangely specific, but my apartments are always really immaculately laid out for maximum flow and energy and light. So they <laughs> <laughs> say the, the selfies will be beautiful. That's oh, my God, no. I'm like, I can't, I can't I? that's my loss. And like the Leo moon did not give that to me. I hate take, I'm a professional photographer and I Hating pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's a Scorpio thing? Like, do you think we're allergic to selfies? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what to blame it on, but I'm sure the Scorpio can handle it. But yeah, whenever I auto straddle, we do like for the for the A plus insider for subscribers, we do like a collage every month, and every month I have to submit a selfie, and it's always the only oh. selfie I take. And I'm always, I always dread it. This month we're doing them in masks. And I'm like, okay, well, that's something. I can make my eyes look okay. But yeah, it stresses me out. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I just took my first selfie since like last winter. <laughs> like having the sun in Scorpio in the 12th house is like, it, it adds to yeah. it. I, I hope that's that it's like mysterious and not like weird, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know y'all. Photo shoots ain't it. Venus no. on the midheaven is not um, not saving me from the problem. Okay, yeah. so I have a couple of questions that I want to close out with, also because I'm I'm curious about them. Can't help it. But um, so these are advice questions. So I'm curious, what do you wish you knew when you first started your tarot or spiritual practice? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, you're asking such good questions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think I wish I'd. I think I wish I'd known that um, it's okay to take your time. 
Um, I think mm. I, I felt this real pressure to have it all figured out um, and to memorize everything and to know the full history and to be able to read fluently without books. Um, you know, it, like I, we talked about intuition a little bit already, but um, it took me a really long time to be able to look at a card and listen to what my brain and my heart had to say about it. You know, I think mm -hmm. it was it was my it was my impulse to like, you know, the first like year that I was reading, I had books out everywhere and like three website tabs open and <clears throat> I would just spend so much time trying to get the right answer, which is weird because I've never been a good student, but um <laughs> like I was really, I, was really I, I had this idea in my head that like there's a right way to read tarot and I'm not doing it. Um, and I think that really blocked me for a long time in being able to read in a way that not only gave me joy, but like helped me find the truth in the cards. Um, I think I was so worried about finding the right meaning for my question and, and having that click in a way that I wasn't really listening to how I felt about a card. <laughs> um, right. So I think, you know, whenever I, whenever I have people messaging me about how to get started or, you know, what resources to find or whatever, I, I always try to point them to things that are kind of irreverent in their imperfections and, and desirous of this, like, listen to yourself. And if you don't understand, then fuck it. Like, come back to the card in an hour, you know, because I think that's that sense of like, it's okay for it to be messy. It's okay for you to be figuring it out. Um, is some is a message that none of us hear often enough in, in many subjects. Um, you know, I yes. think. I think it's so easy to get caught up in this idea of like, well, there's a right way and a wrong way. Um, and there are a few wrong ways to read tarot, but they mostly involve like reading for clients and being shitty about that. Um, I think yes. when you're reading, <laughs> when you're reading for yourself, um, it's, you know, I, I guess there are some things you can do wrong. You can, you know, it's, I think, I think a lot of us twist meanings when we're looking for a specific answer. Um, whether intentionally or not, but it, for the most part, you really can't fuck it up. You know, if you're, if you're coming to it from a sense of authenticity and looking for real genuine answers and, and willing to kind of listen to your intuition and, and pay attention to what's going on, like, I think you really can't fuck it up. So um, it took me a long time to learn that lesson. <laughs> and I wish it had taken me quite so long, but um, yeah. <laughs> That's such a beautiful place for us to close, I think. You can't yes. fuck it up is the best tarot lesson <laughs> that anyone yeah. could have gotten. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so before you go, can you tell all the listeners where we can find you online? Sure. Um, so the most I post the most content on Instagram, which is um, 3am.tarot. Um, I post daily card readings. I do weekly community readings. Um, and when I share articles or telescopes or anything else, I always do a post about that as well. Um, uh, but you can also find me at 3amtarot.com. Um, I write telescopes for Autostraddle. Um, I have a Substack newsletter called Doubles and Fools that I launched recently. But um, yeah, the, the Instagram and the website are really the best places to find all of my other shit. <laughs> Terrific. All right. Well, I'm sure everyone will go and look and I will put it in the show notes as well. This was really wonderful. Thank you so much for a brilliant conversation. <laughs> it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me and um, stay safe. <laughs> you too.